Good evening, and welcome to the Dr. Bill Telephone Series. This is Karen Nutt, Director of Child Development Services for the Braille Institute. Tonight, we have Dr. Bill talking about gene therapy for children with low vision. I'd like you to remember that the Dr. Bill Telephone Series is an educational program focusing on pediatric eye conditions for parents, teachers, and other professionals working with young children with visual impairments. The topics presented should not be considered a medical or educational consultation, but information to help us better understand pediatric eye conditions. I would like to introduce Dr. Bill. Thank you very much, Karen, and I want to thank all of you out there for joining us tonight. I know that tonight, for all of you who are Dodger fans, this is a big night where the Dodgers are playing Arizona, the first-place team, but we, we have some really exciting information that I would like to share with you this evening. What we're going to talk about is genetics and how genetics affects the development of the eyes. Now, one of the things that we know as doctors and scientists have done research is we do know that there are things in the cells of your body, including the cells of your eyes, and these items in the cells are called genes. Now, a gene, you could think of it as a very, very long necklace that has all of these different colored M&Ms on that necklace. And this series of the different M&Ms, it is actually a sequence that is very, very important because the sequence of those M&Ms, it results in the formation to tell the cell what types of proteins that the cell must produce. And the development of these proteins are very important for the development of tissues and structures and the overall function of the organism. Now, what we do know that for human beings, we do have a large number of genes. We have 46 genes in the cells, and we also have a X and a Y gene chromosome which is related to the sex chromosomes. So when we look at this, we could see that there are nearly impossible numbers of gene sequences that we could account for. But what we do know from the different types of research is that there are at least 250 eye conditions that have been identified due to genetic mutations. Now, some of the different types of eye disorders that can occur from a genetic mutation may involve the front of the eye. So, for example, there are some people who have scars on the cornea, and as a result, the cornea is not transparent and light doesn't enter the eye and a person may not see well. There's another condition called keratoconus, and with keratoconus, this means that the shape of the cornea on the front of the eye, it's very, very steep, and it is so steep that it causes the vision to be distorted. But we also know that there's other types of diseases that may even impair vision more severely, 
Inside the eye, you may recall that there is a clear crystalline lens. And this lens is what allows a person to focus at different distances. But when there's a genetic abnormality, that lens may be very brown or yellow. And in some cases, these newborn children are totally blind in that eye because the lens is so dirty. But today, fortunately, through the advances in medicine, ophthalmologists are able to remove those types of cataracts, the brown, dirty lens, and they are able to allow a child to be able to see by performing surgery. But there's also some very, very serious types of eye conditions that can cause legal blindness or even total blindness. Albinism is a condition in which a person, a boy or girl, they may not have the normal color to the eyes, the hair, and the skin. And for most of these kids who do have albinism, you will notice that their eyes have nystagmus, where the eyes rapidly shake from side to side. Their clarity of sight is usually reduced, generally to the point to where they're legally blind. Their vision is 2200, which means that from 20 feet, the smallest size letter that they could read is a letter that's about four inches tall. And there is absolutely no treatment for albinism. Now, for some kids, the parents may dye their hair, or we may fit these kids with a colored contact lens, so their eye may have a brown or a blue or a green appearance. And others, they may even go to the point where the way that they dress, they usually wear long pants and long sleeve shirts and things. But another form of a genetic abnormality is what is called ocular albinism. And this is where the eyes do not have the normal coloration, but the rest of the body does have normal color. So these kids, they look perfectly normal, but when you measure their vision or if you look inside their eye, you can tell that they have very, very light-colored eyes, and as a result, they're often legally blind. Another more common form of vision impairment is called retinitis pigmentosa. Some may just label it with the letters RP. But retinitis pigmentosa can be caused by many different types of genetic mutations. For those with retinitis pigmentosa, it usually begins by affecting that person's night vision. The rod cells of the retina, which give a person night vision, they lose their function. And we find that as they lose the function of the rod cells, they later lose their side vision. So these are people who have difficulty walking. They don't see things that are in their way. They may trip down a set of stairs because they didn't even see the stairs coming. They have difficulty playing sports because they don't have that type of peripheral vision. And with RP, the condition can progress to the point that it also affects the central vision, and they can become even totally blind. Now, with RP, 
when we study the genetics of it, we find that it may be an abnormality or a mutation to many different locations of a gene. It might be on gene number one, but there may be another mutation on gene number three that causes RP. And it could be there's another mutation on gene number 14. So, in other words, it's a little bit more complicated than we thought because it doesn't necessarily mean that only one mutation would cause that, but it could be different mutations on different genes. And sometimes it is that there's a combination of mutations on multiple genes. So you might have to have the mutation on gene number one and number three and number 14 before you have these different types of symptoms. So when there are these different types of genetic mutations, we often will do additional types of description of these genetic mutations. First of all, we will often say it is an autosomal dominant or autosomal recessive type of abnormality. When we refer to the autosomal, what it means is that it's on one of the genes that is not your X or your Y chromosome. That means it is a mutation that is not related to the gender or the sex of that child. When we see that a person has an autosomal type of a mutation, we may then call it a dominant mutation. So what an autosomal dominant mutation generally means is that if the child inherits a mutated gene from either the father or the mother, then that child will most likely have that particular type of vision problem. It is a very strong mutation, and that strong mutation is such that if you inherit it either from the father or the mother, that child will have that particular type of vision problem. Now, for these kids, it's very important that we communicate and we educate them as well because they have that autosomal dominant type of abnormality. No matter who it is that they marry or have a child with, there's a very, very strong likelihood that their child will also inherit that disease. And then that child who inherits disease will pass that gene on to his or her child who will also have that particular type of disease. So, in general, a child who has an autosomal dominant type of genetic mutation such as forms of retinitis pigmentosa that is autosomal dominant, you'll see that it goes all along the family. One of the grandparents, one of the uncles, one of the aunties, one of the parents, the brothers, the sister, it is something that is very easy to track and to follow. Now, we may also describe 
an inherited disease as autosomal recessive. And that again means the autosomal is that it is not on a sex gene. And what this means that because it is recessive, what it means is that in order for that child to have that particular type of vision problem, that child must inherit a bad gene or a mutated gene from both mom and dad. So this could be a situation in which dad has perfect vision and mom has perfect vision, but they both have the same mutation, and as a result, when they have a child, their child may have that particular type of vision problem. Now, as that child grows up older, if that child happens to marry a person who has normal genes, their child will not have a vision problem. But if it happens to be that that person's spouse does have an abnormal gene, then their child will have it. So you could see that it would be very, very helpful to know what type of genetic mutation that you may have if you are a child with this type of vision problem. And once you identify what type of genetic abnormality or mutation that you have, you can do a much better and a more precise job of family planning. The doctors will be able to tell you this is the probability of you having a child who has a vision impairment. They're able to do these particular types of genetic testing very, very quickly and very easily nowadays. For one thing, they may simply take a swab and take the saliva from the inner portion of your cheek. In other cases, they may take that and also a little blood. But from these particular types of genetic testing, they could screen for hundreds of different types of mutations, not only related to the eyes, but other types of mutations that could affect other parts of your health or might affect your learning or it might be something that could predispose you to cancer, and all of this information is available. So one of the things that we do recommend is that if you do have a particular type of vision problem, that you discuss it with your ophthalmologist and ask him or her if this particular condition has any type of genetic component. If it does, the ophthalmologist can refer you to have genetic testing. One of the more common genetic testing agencies right now is for a disease that's called Leber's congenital amaurosis. And in Leber's congenital amaurosis, they have found that in one form of Leber's, it is an abnormality to the RPE65 gene. And they are now able to do genetic testing through Spark Therapeutic, and they could determine if you have the abnormal RPE65 abnormality. If you do have that mutation, they are now doing clinical trials. These are 
studies where they are trying to alter that abnormal gene. And this is something where it's very, very encouraging because it looks that there are people who are improving in their vision after this particular type of treatment. So Spark Therapeutic is one company that does genetic testing. Another organization that you could contact would also be the Foundation Fighting Blindness. And their website is www.ffb.org. Now, they have a lot of information. If you want to read up more about a lot of these different types of inherited visual conditions, you could get more information, and they also can direct you to places that you could have your genes tested in your area. As a matter of fact, one of the things that I'm going to be doing, for some of you who don't know, I became blind in 2009, and I have a disease that is called cone rod degeneration. And we don't really know what is the exact cause of mine, so I am going to go for some genetic testing to see if there's anything that we can learn about this. Now, you might say, hey, Dr. Bill, why are you so interested in learning more about this? Are you you and your wife planning on having more kids? No way. We're too old. We can't have any more kids. But I do want to learn more about this because of the fact that I could gain more information regarding my genes. And as I know more about my genes, I'll be able to put together the information of knowing what genes that my children have inherited. Now, thankfully, neither of my children have any type of eye disease such as mine. But we did learn and we did talk about that it is possible there might be a recessive gene. Maybe the abnormality that I have is an autosomal recessive gene. And this could be something that may have been passed on to my kids And I may then want them to be tested so that they could be more certain as they're trying to plan their own family rather than worrying. Because many people who have other family members who have either cerebral palsy or cancer or seizure disorders or blindness, people are so worried. They tell me, you know, I pray to God that my child won't have this vision impairment. I hope he didn't inherit the gene that my mother and my father did. So we could relieve a lot of that type of stress by getting this type of genetic testing. Another reason why I think it's very good to get this type of genetic testing is because if we could identify what is the abnormal gene then there's a very good chance that you or your patient would be eligible to be part of a clinical trial. Now, there are clinical trials that are being performed all over the country, and people are very, very excited about some of the new advances in gene therapy. What is the situation right now 
is that there are techniques available where they can identify the abnormal sequence of those little M&Ms. Those little M&Ms are called nucleotides. And when those nucleotides may be in the wrong sequence, maybe it's supposed to be red, white, and blue, red, white, and blue. But then in this sequence, for your child, it might be red, blue, white, red, white, blue. That abnormal sequence might be the mutation that is affecting the formation of normal proteins. So these gene sequences are such that they could now be removed and a normal sequence of genes and those nucleotides can be inserted. And it's absolutely so amazing. You may have seen a segment on 60 Minutes, but there's a new technique, and this is called CRISPR, C R. I-S-P-R, and CRISPR is an acronym, and it stands for, get this, clustered, regularly, interspaced, short, palindromic, repeat. Now, boy, that's a handful. I don't know who's going to really remember that. That's why people are calling it CRISPR. But CRISPR has a lot of hope for curing many types of diseases that are caused by genetics. And it is even to the point where this particular technique of removing a sequence of abnormal genes can be done on an unborn baby. They can actually identify the genetic makeup of an abnormal baby. And they actually do have that technology to go in and to change out the genes in this unborn baby. Now that is so amazing because in essence, if we have the technology correct, we could eliminate so many different types of diseases or weaknesses. However, I'm not convinced that it's safe to do something like that. The way that genes work is that it could be a combination of genes that causes a mutation. And sometimes if you go in and you change one gene, it may affect other genes, and you may actually create other problems even though you have cured the vision problem. So there's a lot more research that needs to be done, but it is being performed. Right now, there are four different locations across the United States, and UCLA here is one of them, where they are looking at the CRISPR technique to treat children who are visually impaired due to retinitis pigmentosa and hearing impaired. This is a condition called Usher syndrome. But with these particular types of studies, 
we're going to find so much more information, and soon it would be as simple as swapping out Lego blocks to be able to incorporate the correct gene. But there's other questions that I still have that I have not really found the answer. Let's say, for example, that you have a child who has an abnormal gene, and we think that your child is going to have retinitis pigmentosa. Does this mean that we have to go into every single cell in your child's retina and change every single one of them? I mean, there are millions, millions of cells inside the retina. Is it possible to go into millions of cells and to change out those nucleotides? Or would it be such that for some reason we only have to change some of those? I don't know. I'm waiting to find out what the researchers find out. The other thing is that we also have to be very careful because what if by changing that abnormal gene, it actually creates another abnormality? What if it creates the child who has a learning disability or who has dyslexia? We need to look at all of these things. But all in all, it is so very, very exciting that we understand these advances in genetic treatments. We can identify the abnormal gene. We have the most advanced techniques now to replace the abnormal gene. So all that we need to do now is to wait and see what goes on with some of these clinical trials. So at this time, i like to see... Is there anybody here who has any questions about genetic abnormalities that cause vision impairment or these treatments? Okay. Well, I appreciate all of your attention for being here on the show. And this particular podcast is going to be up at the Braille Institute website probably later this week. So simply go to www.brailleinstitute.org. And I'd also like to thank Mr. Richard Burden, the president of Ayers LA, for recording this. And you could find this also at the Ayers LA website, along with thousands of other podcasts at www.airsla.org. So, again, thank you very much, everybody.